Hello, it is 12th November 2017, and this is episode 48 of Scavengers Horde of Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis, and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So, Kirsty, how has your week in Star Wars been? Oh, it's been really great because we got another huge piece of news that I don't think anyone was expecting. Yes. <laughs> that like this week was so weird because I think up until Wednesday I was like, "Oh gosh, this is such a slow news week. I'm not sure there's actually going to be anything to cover in the show." God, <laughs> there's no news. What's going on? They're meant to be promoting a movie. And then the bombshell happened, and obviously mm-hmm. that bombshell is that Ryan Johnson is going to be directing a whole new trilogy. We'll obviously talk about that separately in its news item, but yeah, we are freaking psyched. It's such amazing yeah. news. <laughs> and I guess it is in relation to The Last Jedi, right? So I've seen a lot of people be like, well, this doesn't have anything to do with the new movie. Is it going to distract attention away from that? And, but I think it's great PR for that movie, and it's great PR for Ryan Johnson, obviously. So... It all kind of feeds into one narrative that makes The Last Jedi seem even more exciting. Yeah, just one more thing I wanted to add before we get into the show proper is that a week or so ago, I recorded a commentary for The Force Awakens with friend of the show Lisa. And you can check that out by looking on YouTube for Lisa and Rachel watch Star Wars The Force Awakens fan commentary. I will also include a link in the notes. But yeah, it just completely hit me that I had not mentioned that on the show yet. Just because I'm a complete scatterbrain and I forget things easily. It's a really great commentary. Oh, thank you. I don't think I've seen any other fan commentaries about The Force Awakens since we've got the full trailer for The Last Jedi. So that kind of gives you a whole new slant that's really intriguing. Um, and I haven't watched The Force Awakens since um, we got that trailer again, but I think I'm going to now because I was just kind of listening to bits of your commentary and I was like, oh, yeah, like it does make you go back and view things kind of differently. Oh, so, thank you. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's really nice. Um, it's kind of hard when you're recording a commentary. It's very different from recording a podcast because you always <laughs> have to be cognizant of what's on screen. Um but yeah, it's really fun. It's just a different kind of challenge. We should definitely do our own commentary at some point because I really did enjoy it. And I think especially recording one for The Force Awakens after The Last Jedi, that will be a really, really interesting experience. Yeah, I'm guessing the the batch of commentaries that come out in the next couple of years are going to be totally different because after The Force Awakens, I think a lot of people didn't know what to make of all sorts of different things. So Exactly. It will be a very different view and experience, to put it mildly. <laughs> yes oh yeah and one more thing that happened is i went out for the weekend with a friend and we went to this very pretty quaint little town and there's this adorable little independent cinema and they had a board up advertising the last jedi <laughs> oh gosh this is so stupid um but it was really cool and it had been hand drawn by someone who worked at the theater and it showed two interlocking lightsabers a blue one and a red one Mm-hmm. And like I praised the staff behind the counter, I said it was really cool. But then, just as a pointer, I said, um, "Oh, to make it accurate to the new ones, you should make the red lightsaber a cross guard lightsaber." And they looked at me like I was absolutely mental. Wait, what? They did not understand what I meant by cross guard lightsaber. These oh right, people okay. Just had no reference point for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so they stared at me like I'd said something completely ridiculous and completely bonkers. And yeah, I kind of had to literally say, it's like there's a bit going across at the bottom by the handle. 
Yeah, so it looks like a sword. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It was just really bugging me. It was so well done. But it was like, that's the wrong sober. <laughs> yeah, it just... It reminded me of how tiny a fraction of the fandom people like you and I actually represent. <laughs> I guess, but his saber is pretty iconic at this point, surely? Like, you can see it in the trailers. and We definitely think so. Because <laughs> but... I thought there was this whole thing before The Force Awakens came out that was like, how does he use that saber without hurting himself? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe these things just don't filter through to the provinces. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, no, that amused me. Um, (laughs) Right. And then our first news story is that Ryan Johnson is to create an entirely new Star Wars trilogy. I just want to do a small correction at this point. So I believe earlier on I said he was going to direct the whole new Star Wars trilogy. That remains to be seen. So yeah, listen to the statement I am about to read, because that is from the official Star Wars website, and that will not be wrong, like my renditions of this information will occasionally be. Okay. (laughs) The director, Ryan Johnson, Star Wars The Last Jedi, was just the beginning of his journey in a galaxy far, far away. Lucasfilm is excited to announce that Johnson will create a brand new Star Wars trilogy, the first of which he is also set to write and direct, with longtime collaborator Ram Bergman on board to produce. As writer-director of The Last Jedi, Johnson conceived and realised a powerful film of which Lucasfilm and Disney are immensely proud. In shepherding this new trilogy, which is separate from the episodic Skywalker saga, Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Stahl's lore has never before explored. We all loved working with Ryan on The Last Jedi, said Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. He's a creative force, and watching him craft The Last Jedi from start to finish was one of the great joys of my career. Ryan will do amazing things with the blank canvas of this new trilogy. We had the time of our lives collaborating with Lucasfilm and Disney on The Last Jedi, Johnson and Bergman said in a joint statement. Star Wars is the greatest modern mythology, and we feel very lucky to have contributed to it. We can't wait to continue with this new series of films. Johnson's upcoming Star Wars The Last Jedi arrives in US theatres on December 15, 2017. No release dates have been set for the new films, and no porks were available for comment. So, that is the statement. Where were you when this happened, Kirsty? So I remember I sent you like manic like chat messages, and yeah. then it was a couple of hours before you got back. I know you're at work. Yeah, I would I had just finished work and I checked my messages and I got all this stuff from you and I was like, "What is going on? This was so exciting!" Like mm. I because the kind of thing that you just were not expecting at all. It's such a big deal. We'd all been kind of thinking, oh, maybe they're going to announce a new standalone sometime soon. But in our minds, it was separate from what Ryan's been doing. And it was separate from The Last Jedi. And obviously, this is separate and that they're being very clear about it being distinct from the Skywalker saga. Presumably, they're going to be entirely new characters and maybe a different era of time and all, all sorts. But it's really, really exciting for The Last Jedi because... I didn't think I could be more excited for this movie, but this is such a huge vote of confidence from Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger and everyone else. Yeah. Um, I just think we're in for such a treat. And I'm so excited for Ryan because it obviously means he had such a great time working with Lucasfilm that he wants to do it all over again. Yeah. 
like when I saw this, and I think I saw it when I was on my normal refresh rounds of like Reddit and forums and Tumblr and Reddit and forums and Tumblr. Because that's <laughs> the thing I do when I'm bored sometimes. <laughs> and then it came up and I was like, what? And then I obviously realized it was real and got super excited. But when I had actually absorbed this, I think my primary thought was, oh my God, I remember that tweet where he said I'd come back and do this again in a heartbeat. And he <laughs> meant that. <laughs> there really yeah. isn't a break um, so yeah that is so amazing that he clearly entered Star Wars fold and he's not about to leave anytime soon so. Yeah, I suppose it makes sense because they've been so emphatic about how smoothly everything went with Ryan and how happy they've been with that film and then there were rumours after Colin Trevorrow was let go for nine that they'd asked Ryan and then he couldn't do it but JJ was going to do it and I guess now we know why because they were talking about him doing something else instead Exactly. Like, if this is his baby, then it makes complete sense that he wouldn't want to put his baby on the back burner to finish off the trilogy, which isn't completely his. Mm -hmm. Because he must have fantastic ideas for this new trilogy, because they won't have done this announcement unless they were really excited by what Ryan had approached them with. He can't have just said, hey, Kathy, will you give me money for free films? <laughs> oh, yes, Ryan, of course, anything you say. Like, he will have gone to them with treatments. He will have like come up with really solid ideas for what form this story will take Mm -hmm. and god yeah i think the idea of having a trilogy where it's cohesive to the point where it has this single person mastermind in it like it sounds that ryan johnson will do with this that is so appealing to me so don't get me wrong i love the sequel trilogy and i love everything i'm hearing about where it's going and i love how it started but just one of the concerns and i i feel relatively calm and chill out it now but a concern has been that you have all these different teams on each movie and it's like, how cohesive is everything going to be at the end of the day without mm. this single guide in hand of everything? And that shouldn't be an issue with this new trilogy because that is going to be Ryan Johnson. That's going to be his job. Yeah, I, I'm much less concerned about that with the sequel trilogy now that we know that JJ is coming back to finish what he started. So oh, I'm totally. just going to keep making that really lame joke. Um, <laughs> it presents I... itself, why not? <laughs> That was a worry for us for a while, but I'm kind of at peace with that now. Um, yeah. We'll just see how it goes. We're so close to The Last Jedi now that I'm almost just like, yeah, it'll be what it'll, it'll be, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right that this is like he had a vision for whatever this trilogy was going to be, wh- whatever the story is. Um, Maybe it's something that kind of struck him with inspiration while he was filming The Last Jedi or writing it and was like, yeah, I want to explore this aspect of the world or create this aspect of the world. Um, and that's just so exciting. And I love that we have no idea what it is. Because yeah. obviously, as soon as we heard the news, people immediately started speculating. I'm really boring and don't have any strong opinions about it. I'm just going to wait and see what it is. Mm. Um, and a lot of people like really adamant that they want Old Republic era stuff. Um, and I, I love that era, don't get me wrong. But I, I'm just kind of content to see whatever it is that Ryan is excited to share with us. Um, because I like all of his original movies as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm just really intrigued to see what, where this goes. Yeah, no, totally. I think it's a completely natural impulse to think, oh, I wonder what this new trilogy will be about. So I completely understand why people are latching onto things they already know, like Knights of the Old Republic, but I really, really don't think that's where they're going with this, because throughout this whole statement, you get things like, blank canvas new characters never before explored 
like all this kind of language i think it's saying that it's completely new it's from ryan johnson's imagination it's not from legends it's not from the eu it's fresh and it's unexplored territory and that makes me so unbelievably excited because i think it's natural to cling to the familiar and to think oh yeah i really want to see the old republic thing but i don't think that would appeal to ryan in the same way like he might well be inspired to some degree by those elements of the law but i don't think he'll want to adapt them because yeah he clearly has an opportunity to make his own baby completely with this and i don't see why he wouldn't do that yeah like i said there might be like a kernel of inspiration within the last jedi in terms of like a really minor character or some aspect of the force law that they're introducing but yeah it seems like they're they're making a point here by saying it's separate it's not going to be episode 10 and that doesn't mean we don't get that eventually and i actually we were kind of talking about where they're going to go with the trilogies and standalones last week and this is kind of in keeping with what you were saying that you think that they're going to do a trilogy that's like completely removed and then go back to those characters in a few years time so that there's time for them to breathe the actors can go away and do other things and then come back to it when there's a true new story to tell did i really say that yeah i was like oh i think you're being too optimistic i think they're going to kind of spin (laughs) it for all they can because um kathleen kennedy had said like oh we're looking at the next 10 years and there's going to be these characters that you know and love like ray finn poe um and then they come out with this story that there's going to be this trilogy with totally new characters that we've never heard of before. So mm. it sounds like we would get all of that in some form or other. We're going to have this trilogy and then we're also eventually going to have new stuff with those characters. So bring on all the Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. In terms of how it fits with those comments Kathleen Kennedy was making, like I do kind of wonder if we're perhaps going to get Star Wars stories set in the aftermath of the sequel trilogy where they wouldn't be about like say Ray Finn and Poe, but they might appear as like supporting characters or in like fleeting glimpses, mm-hmm. you know? I could see them doing that because I don't think they'd want to tie the actors down to continuing main roles in sequential stories. But I could see them popping up, does that make sense? So that they start yeah. with a presence. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking with the Marvel approach, that you do have these films where the people who have had films like devoted to them as an origin story or whatever, they then play like a more minor part. Mm. I'm not really a Marvel <laughs> expert, so I'm probably just like making this up, but I just kind of got the impression that they had these bigger films where there's like a big ensemble and then someone who's like the main, like the Thor films, for example, right? They have the Avengers that he's a part of, but it's not like he's the main character in those. Yeah. It's like if you think about um Doctor Strange in Four Ragnarok. Right. He obviously had his own movie, but he's also in Four Ragnarok and he's not like a major character in that form by any stretch of the imagination. It's basically a cameo mm-hmm. but it's part of that like wider universe thing and everything knitting together. So I could see them using like the really iconic characters in that sort of way. Mm-hmm. And I think that could work. But it would obviously all depend on having a good enough story to tell. So as long as it's not gratuitous. It will always be gratuitous to an extent because they want to make money, so they need to keep on pumping out films. But yeah. I want them to marry financial necessity with artistic ambition where possible. So, yeah, of course, that's yeah. the ideal. And yeah, I still think that there would be another Skywalker trilogy somewhere down the line. Mm. I can't really see them saying goodbye to that definitively. 
I think it would be foolish to completely cut it off. Like, and to be honest, even after Return of the Jedi, George Lucas was adamant that that was the end of the story. That there was no more story left to tell past that film. That was his line back then. But obviously mm. they did not stick to that. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Like, I don't think anything is final at this point. Yeah, I don't think it makes sense for them to close the door on anything. Because... And they're still being kind of the almost experimental phase with the standalones. But the Skywalker saga, that's a tr- tried and tested formula. Yeah. Um, so, I think I those mean, films will always be the biggest money makers because mm. they're what everyone knows. And they can continue that as part of this whole generational saga where look where they are now. And <laughs> that has just like a unique appeal, like more so than things like Rogue One. So obviously Rogue One was extremely successful and it was an effective film in its own right, but it doesn't have that specialness of the saga, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's an emotional weight to the Skywalker family drama um, because that's, that is decades in the making and that's what Star Wars was originally kind of built around. Uh, but it yeah. doesn't mean they can't go off and expand in these places and obviously that's a major priority for them at the moment, so... Exactly. One thing I was thinking that Ryan Johnson's new trilogy could potentially be based on is that if you look at the plot synopsis for The Last Jedi, I think it says that um, the film will uncover age-old mysteries of the past. And we've got lots of this stuff of like ancient force lore and those incredibly old books that Luke is handling in the tree. like All that sort of stuff. And it's clear that Ryan Johnson did lots of world building and built up a whole mythology around the history of the force um and that is obviously going to feed into the last jedi but it won't be like the crux of that film because we obviously have these young characters and their stories and that's going to be at the heart of things and i kind of almost wonder if that mythology was so interesting and so compelling in its own right that then that eventually evolved and bloomed into something larger and then that ultimately became this so we might be seeing a trilogy of films they're set in the real ancient past of the chronology of Star Wars. But that is just complete, like, spitballing, you know? There might well be mm. nothing in that at all, so we will see. Yeah, so I guess it could be kind of an Old Republic thing, like, in terms of the time period, like, much further in the past than what we're seeing with the Skywalkers. Mm. Um, but the story itself could be about anything. Because I've seen some people say, well, that sounds really boring. Cause, like, if you put it on paper, it's like, oh, it's a history lesson regarding where, you know, how the Force originated or, like, who the first Jedi were and all this. Like, it could be boring. It's all about the execution. Mm. Uh, anything but... could be boring, but anything could also be really interesting. Exactly. It depends on the story. Like, ultimately, really, it comes down to, like, the characters and their interactions, right? Or at least it does for me. Yeah, I know some people are really all about the law. I'm just not so much. I always think that that stuff's kind of the the backdrop for the personal yeah. dramas. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll just see. Like I'm usually I'm like oh immediately thinking of what I would prefer to see, but I don't really have any idea about this, and I kind of like that. Yeah. So I I wonder when we're even going to hear about it because presumably it's not going to be anytime soon because like after the last Jedi comes out. They were going to be all about Han Solo. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this means that we're even going to get another standalone, like after Episode Nine, or if it would just go into this new trilogy. Well, they rumored that Obi Wan movie 
with um, yeah. Stephen Frears, I think. So I think if there is a standalone after episode nine, that will be it. But there was nothing from Lucasfilm there, though, was there? That was no. just like a Hollywood kind of thing. Yeah, it was just in the trades. So I think it depends on whether that comes to fruition. If there is mm-hmm. another Star Wars story film, I would bet on it being the Obi-Wan thing. But yeah, like you say, we don't really know if that's happening. And this neutrality might well be a better bet. But one thing I would say is that we know that Ryan Johnson's quite slow in terms of writing and how long it takes him to craft a story. And I'm sure the process would be even slower if he's crafting a story over three films. Which it sounds like he will, so he's not necessarily writing and directing past the first film. But it definitely seems like he's taking creative ownership of it. Mm. And if he's doing that, I think he's going to have to come up with some kind of vision for how everything plays out. Not necessarily like micro-level detail, but like at least an idea of where things need to go and what the progression is going to be from film to film, that sort of stuff. And right. that is a lot of work. So, yeah, who knows when he'll be done, basically. True, yeah. But it's very exciting. Um, yeah, and I just cannot wait to see it when it comes out. It's going to be amazing. Um, and yeah, I wait with bated breath. Like, just to find out what kind of era it's set in, like, that is going to be so thrilling. That's going to open the room to much more speculation. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm not someone who was like poo pooing the idea of the standalones, um, but I still had in the back of my mind a question about how emotionally invested I would get in stuff outside of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Um, and like how much I would continue to pay attention to Star Wars fandom in future once episode episode nine was done. Yes. But this has me thinking. I know it's super premature. I could hate The Last Jedi, <laughs> but <laughs> no. it's just making me feel right now like really positive about the future of Star Wars and like, yeah. oh, you know, I can see myself staying active in the fandom or at least, you know, really interested to see where things go for years to come now. Because yeah. this is like, if you're talking about a new trilogy, that is what, like probably at a minimum another six years, like if they're mm. spaced out like they have been doing with the Skywalker trilogy. Yeah. Um, and it could be even further apart than that. Like they could they could take three year breaks between them. Who knows? Exactly. So yeah. Like it's they've clearly got long, long term plans at this point. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. Right, have we said everything we want to say on that? I think so. Like yeah. just what space, I guess. Exactly. I'm sure there'll be more exciting news to come. Uh yeah, the next story is that there has been a new live-action Star Wars TV show announced. This is a report from The Hollywood Reporter. During an earnings call Thursday, Disney CEO Bob Iger said that in addition to the new trilogy, the Star Wars universe would be expanding with a live-action TV show, which would be available on a Disney streaming service, which is set to launch in 2019. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's been rumours of this thing for such a long time. Mm-hmm. That it kind of almost feels like a footnote that is actually happening at this point. So I think yeah. when we first heard this news of the Disney streaming service, lots of people thought this is where they're going to do their Stars TV show because that is right. such a great, great hook for this sort of thing that would get lots of people's money, like including mine, if I'm being completely frank. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, like it's exciting news, but it doesn't feel especially surprising, I guess. How do you feel about it, Kirsty? I guess what surprises me that they're saying 2019, that seems so soon. Mm, it is really um, soon, yeah. Yeah, and I'd just been kind of thinking about animation because I figured that they would have to announce something relatively soon that's going to replace Rebels. 
Uh, I don't know whether this would be it or if they will announce another animation, like in addition to it. Mm. Um, so yeah, like it, it's cool. I don't, I don't know what to make of it because we don't really know much about what it's going to be. Yeah, no, it's hard to talk about, isn't it? Because there's a little to go on. Yeah, um, it's just like more Star Wars to come. <laughs> yay! Um, yeah, I'd kind of assume that if this is happening, that then the cartoon series will be an addition to it. Like, I don't think that they'd abandon the cartoon stream altogether. So I think that's quite a different audience. And there's mm. potential for them to do something almost Game of Thrones-esque, I suppose, for a TV show. I, I don't think it would be that hardcore or that adult. I was because... going to say, are we going to have uh, Star Wars sex scenes? <laughs> I'm not sure I, I feel like that. people would really have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, so not Game of Thrones in that way, but I guess Game of Thrones in the sense of this really addictive, like high concept, like fantasy drama series with these really interesting, compelling characters that you care about. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's probably what they're going to go for, and they still need something lighter and fluffier for the kids. Um, mm-hmm. I don't mean some patronising towards children, but I guess I mean the younger kids because. Like Rebels is probably suitable for like any child from like five and up, really, isn't it? Yeah, this is the thing about Star Wars. Like they're really obviously making a point of having all of these different aspects of it for all of these different demographics, and you definitely do not have to consume it all. Yes. You know, I think this is something that maybe fans are taking a while to get used to. Um, and I have to stop myself as well. Like I'll pick up a book, and after a while, I'll be like, oh, actually, this isn't really for me. This is for people who are maybe more interested in this side of Star Wars. And yeah. that's totally cool. Like you're still a Star Wars fan if you're not consuming it all. Um, exactly. So yeah, like it's really cool to think about them having multiple shows going at the same time for very different audiences and telling completely different stories. Like you say, the fact that it's going to be available on the Disney streaming service potentially when it launches in 2019, that does make me think they've probably been working on this for a while. They might well even have scripts and stuff ready. I, I mm. kind of wonder if they might even be resurrecting that Star Wars Underworld TV sh- TV series. Because we've heard yeah. in the past that there were scripts for that that were really, really good. And they were all being kept. So it's not like that work was discarded. It's still out there. And it kind of seems like a waste to not return to that. At least in some capacity. I'm not saying it would be exactly the same show. But I think there's a really interesting resource to mine. And that is kind of like why reinvent the wheel when we already have all this pre-production work done on a live-action TV show. Does that make yeah. sense? I do feel like with live action, they are kind of going to have to go the Game of Thrones route in terms of budgeting, because mm. how do you do Star Wars on the cheap? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to look in like Doctor Who with like cardboard sets and stuff. Yeah, Doctor Who has its charms, but it's not really something that people would be on board with for Star Wars, I don't think. No, still, if any company can afford high budgets, it's Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just super exciting, right, again, because it's a big investment in something that's totally new for the franchise, so. Exactly. And kind of at the point where it's like, what's going to be the first thing that doesn't really work? You know, because they're now starting to really broaden their reach in terms of what they're doing. And mm-hmm. I really like that, and I find that really exciting. But it's like, I feel like they've had great success for everything they've done so far. Yeah. And well, again, like... it's been because it's kind of had that new novel aspect to it, right? Especially, you know, we've had The Force Awakens and Rogue One, and those were both very new in their own right in terms of like the first 
you know, it's been 30 years after the Skywalker saga supposedly finished and where are the characters now? And we've got all these actors back and everything. And then Rogue One was the first standalone and it also had Vader in it, which was really exciting. Um, but from now on, it is kind of newer territory and they're really pushing that within the narrative of The Last Jedi is going to be a big departure from what you know. It's not going to rely on nostalgia and fan service. Yeah. And um, I I know there's been some skepticism around the Han Solo movie as well. So I think some people have kind of decided that that's going to be the part where they fall down first. Yes. Which is a bit premature because we don't have the movie yet. <laughs> I think people are just very attached to Harrison Ford as Han Solo, so they kind of can't really see it. But let's just wait and see. Yeah, exactly. So, right. And to move on from that, we have some new Japanese interview comments from the Last Jedi cast and crew. And for doing these translations, I would like to thank Slimo the wonderful Tumblr user who basically puts up every single piece of news. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And they got help from Captain Haddock on Reddit for the translation. (laughs) Um, It's a good username. That's an amazing username, yes. (laughs) So I really appreciate that. Um, Right, again, please do bear in mind that it's a translation, so it sounds a bit odd. But yeah, here we go. The things that happen to these two people, Ray and Kylo, are emotional, and it's really important for the viewer to empathise, says Ryan Johnson, who apparently coaxed performances that would get at the inner feelings of these two characters more than the previous film. Daisy had this interesting comment about the film. The Last Jedi starts off with the things that have been left unfinished by The Force Awakens. Ray has certain expectations. Adam, regarding the Kylo's killing of his own father, Han Solo, in the previous movie, hints at an inner conflict in the new movie. That's Kylo's starting point. His internal wounds cut more deeply than the one on his face he got from fighting Rey. According to director Ryan, the two actors' performances were even better than in the previous movie. I believe the circumstances depicted in the new movie have impacted their growth. Their characters were established through the grand adventure of the first film. In the new one, we inevitably dig even further into their characters. Everyone will be thrilled by the new challenges they face, said the director regarding audience expectations. So yeah, like, Japan's promotion is amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess this is kind of more of the same of what I've been seeing, right? That they're really pushing the fact that these characters are going to develop and in relation to each other. Yes. Um, And the idea of the audience empathising with their choices and challenges... Like, it sounds really interesting, but obviously they can't go into any detail as to what those things will be. Yeah, exactly. It's all very much speaking in vague terms. But again, like we were saying last time, it's interesting that they're choosing to use this lens when discussing the film in Japan. Um, And yeah, the first line is actually the one that intrigues me the most. The things that happen to these two people, Ray and Kylo, are emotional, and it's really important for the viewer to empathise. That does suggest some kind of like shared experience for them. So it's not like they're both having emotional journeys separately, but something happens to them together that is emotional. Yeah, I think that's what the trailer pushed as well, right? That there was going to be those parallels between them. Yes. So you have these things you know, these characters that seem to be on the separate sides of the dark and light, but obviously things get intermingled somehow. Exactly. Whatever the big surprise of the story is, I mean, not necessarily a big surprise in that there's going to be this like shocking twist, but they're keeping the meat of the story away from us. Right. Yeah. We're being kept in the dark, so to speak. (laughs) We really are. Cause like looking over the trailers again, I'm like, 
I feel like there's there's a there's got to be huge parts of it that they're not showing us. And I know we are aware of what some of those parts are, like Canto Bite. Mm. But I just kind of find it intriguing that like we're seeing a lot of crate, but it's like for that reason, does that end up being the climax of the movie, or is there something else entirely that comes after that? Is there a big time jump that we're not aware of? Yeah, there's so many possibilities. I know it's oh, it's so enticing. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? <laughs> like, and yeah, like I've seen people who do detective work and said they film stuff in Iceland. It's mm-hmm. like, what do they use Iceland for? <laughs> it's like. Ooh. And yeah, oh god, we're so close. And it's all just so exciting, and all this stuff just builds my hype to these ever more intense levels. I feel like a balloon, and I keep on getting more and more inflated. And it's like, okay, at what point am I going to burst? Hopefully, not until I've seen the movie, <laughs> and then like I can burst in the form of writing thousands of words about my thoughts on things, my analysis, and nonsense. And that's how I then deflate in a nice, happy way. But we will see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's impossible not to be excited about this movie. Like, I, I know I've been trying to talk myself down and be like, it's just a movie and it could just not be that great. Um, but it, I don't care because the experience of anticipating it itself has been so fun. Yes, exactly. Like, this is so enjoyable. Like, and like, this is such a fun way to spend time. <laughs> you know, exactly. just about something you love and like get enthusiastic and joyful about it. That's really nice, just inherently. Yeah, is there anything else we want to say about that quote? Like, I guess it's all interesting, but like you say, none of it is particularly new and none of it is specific enough to be able to say much. Yeah, I feel like this is all stuff that we're going to probably see over and over. Like, I even think this this point that Adam makes about Kylo's internal wounds as much as his external ones, haven't we already heard that from, like, Entertainment Weekly a few months ago? I feel like they're going to have several talking points that they just kind of repeat over and over. Yeah, yeah, we have heard that from Adam, so... Yeah, there's certain lines that they're allowed to trot out, I think. Yeah, and about like Ray having the expectations when she meets Luke and everything. So Yeah. I could swear that they have a marketing campaign where it's split into phases. So like the oh, earliest yeah. phase was now we're going to talk about Luke and how Luke's coming back and how amazing and awesome that is. And then at some point it's like they shifted gears and then it's like, Okay, now we're going to talk about Ray and Kylo and how important that dynamic is and what's going to happen with these two characters, blah blah blah. Like or at least that's definitely happened in Japan. It might well be happening in the UK and US, but just a bit later. Yeah, I do think that is what happens, that they stagger things out to kind of build a larger narrative. Mm. Like we were talking about that with like the interviews and things that actors are allowed to say. Like it's just yeah, it also not like to an insane degree, presumably. Like I'm not putting my tinfoil hat on, but just that this is how PR works. It will have these phases of rollout. Yeah, exactly. And they become allowed to say progressively more interesting and detailed things as they get closer to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Then the next story is that Kelly Marie Tran has been making some interview appearances. And since Rose hasn't had a great deal of attention so far from like the main publicity of the film i just wanted to draw attention to this because it's nice to see kelly getting some coverage and talking about her career and her role and stuff like that um and yeah i'm just going to read out some parts from her interview with l canada which again was posted by slimo so (laughs) thank you very much um yeah so she was asked were you brought up on star wars no i wasn't 
I think that not seeing the movies actually helped me. I could take myself out of the situation when I was auditioning and create the character. Once I got the part, I watched all of the movies, read as much as I could, and went on all of the message boards. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Gives me chills. Yeah, same. What dark corners of the internet did that take you to? I was everywhere. I've been on Reddit and making Star Wars a mega fan website. <laughs> That's so cute that <laughs> Canada had to explain that. That's adorable. And I saw Twitter accounts created by people so that they can tweet one another and roleplay as the characters. Oh, oh no. my god. Okay, oh I am no. envisioning her like stumbling upon like a Kylux roleplay. <laughs> <laughs> Secondhand embarrassment. I want to die. You know this means she's been on Tumblr as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I literally turn him bright red. Yeah. So I hope that she stopped doing this. She, cause presumably, she stumbled across something at some point that was like, "Yep, that's enough." Checking out. <laughs> Never able to look at Adam Driver in the same way again. God. <sighs> okay, let me finish. <laughs> I love it. I'm aging myself. But I wish Twitter had been around when I was 10, so I could have done things like that. Oh, okay, that is even cuter. (laughs) That is, that is, but I'm not sure you do, Kelly. I'm not sure you do. (laughs) But it's been so cool to see pictures and things coming out in the press and everyone trying to figure out what this or that means. It's really interesting. Oh Oh, God, I'm so sorry. This is really hard to read. Oh my god, okay, calm. The Star Wars universe has gotten progressively more diverse, and your character is a major part of that. I just know that when I was younger, there were very few people who looked like me in movies, so I know how much it would have meant to me to see this character. I feel the pressure of doing right by the franchise. And then, outside of that, I also feel like so many people are excited about an Asian person in the movie. It's exciting, but I don't take it lightly. Star Wars is something that so many people have loved for so long. And I understand how important these stories are. Storytelling is the one true love story in my life. And it's got me through so much. Take me back to your first day on set. First of all, walking onto a set like that, where everything is built and looks real, is a whole other thing. It's such a crazy feeling, being in full costume and makeup. And looking up and seeing Finn and all these characters that people love. I remember feeling like I was about to play the Super Bowl. Like I had to go into game mode and not acknowledge all these things while I was working. I couldn't let myself freak out. And then I'd go home. I was like, OMG. (laughs) Did you get to know Daisy Ridley and John Boyega before you met them as Ray and Finn? I got to hang out with both of them before we started shooting. To have people like that on your side, who've already gone through what you're experiencing, is so comforting. Daisy was so welcoming to me, and she didn't have to be. That was the coolest thing. Every single person on the set was a very loving, open human being. And that is not something you can say about every movie. I mean, this is my first big picture, so I'm just assuming. Oh, I love <laughs> Kelly so much. She sounds so yeah, nice. Yeah, she's great. I can't wait to see Rose. Same. Like, I do love getting these interviews because we've seen very little of her, but oh, I'm just so intrigued to see how her interactions with Finn are going to go and what her backstory is and everything. Yeah, totally. So I really do get the impression that she's a fully realised, properly fleshed out character. Definitely. And that's really, really cool because it's easy to add like token characters you know, and just like have them show up in a role and then like die after two minutes or 
like just be there as like an add-on and like a way of facilitating another character's story but mm-hmm. from everything we've heard i really do get the impression that rose is there because she has her own story and obviously that story is going to feed into other people's stories because she's not an island but she does she's not just there as a prop or a plot device and oh for sure yeah yeah i really I like think that. it's yeah it's just been made clear that most of her screen time is probably going to be spent with finn mm-hmm. and i'm just really intrigued to see how that dynamic is going to go because presumably that means it's going to differ from how finn and ray interacted in the first film definitely yeah so it'll be interesting to see if finn interacts with ladies part two i know there are <laughs> girls in the first order so it's not like ray and rose are the first women he's ever had any contact with but it's kind of different when they're like not first order women you know well and because it's yeah and it's him like the first time in his life trying to figure out who he really is right and yeah. interact as a person as opposed to a soldier so exactly like on a scale of one to ten one being least cringy ten being most cringy how much do you cringe at kelly's talking about going on reddit and making star wars and stuff to be honest i bet they've all done it yeah i mean i would i would then regret it because i know some of the stuff out there and people can be so horrible especially about actors of color yeah. like we know that that was happening with john boyega when his casting was announced as well so yeah. there's probably some really horrible stuff i mean they've probably all done it apart from adam i don't think adam will have oh yeah probably not because he's he always makes a point of the fact that he doesn't really go on the internet but like we Daisy's know that he's probably told him about things <laughs> i don't know would you i would rather not like just don't have that conversation like if people want to go and find it for themselves but if they're not they're probably doing it for a reason they want to stay away from it maybe if she were very drunk (laughs) i I would rather not know to be honest like i I would rather not know yeah yeah so it's the kind of thing that you probably wouldn't be able to stop yourself doing but then would be like i wish i hadn't looked at this yeah but then one would bitterly regret. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to look at like the theories of what people thought your character was going to be like and stuff, but then you get a lot of crap that comes with that as well. So. Exactly. Um, right. Then the next story is that we have an interview with Ram Bergman, who was interviewed by SFX magazine. Um, and he is a producer on The Last Jedi. And I believe he's worked with Ryan on several films, hasn't he, Kirsty? I think he's produced all of Ryan's films, yeah. Okay, cool. Ryan wrote the script and people really loved it, Bergman recalls. That was as simple as I can say. When Ryan was hired, JJ was essentially just a month into filming, so there were not really any guidelines for us. We just had the script that JJ was filming and dailies of what they were doing. Then at some point in the writing process, we basically told the studio where it's going to go, and everybody seemed to be on board. It was the month after J.J. finished filming the movie when we delivered the script. And Kathy, Kennedy, Lucasfilm head, and the studio loved it. The first draft is probably 90% of the movie that we ended up shooting a year later. Like, just as an aside, that is an amazing statistic. The fact that so much of it actually ended up being shot. Seriously, that first draft. I know when I write a first draft of anything, most of it's garbage. Yeah, it's like maybe 5% survives. (laughs) (laughs) There were some things where you say... Oh shit, they're never going to let us do this. But they totally did. And I think everybody realised that it's probably what is needed, says Bergman. And everybody was like, don't be safe. To the credit of Kathy and Bob Iger and Alan Horn and all those guys, they never tried to push us towards the safe. Whatever we pitched, 
Whatever Ryan said he wanted to do, they completely supported, and I think they understood why it needed to be that way. So definitely, Ryan had the vision, but you have to give credit to the people on top. They had the vision to actually say yes, we need to shake it up a bit. I think when you watch the movie, you think this is not where I thought it was going to go, Bergman tells us of X. That's the beauty of it. I cannot get into the details, but the script that Ryan wrote was really taking it in a direction you never really expected, and which kind of made it exciting for everyone who was involved in the movie. But of course, in the beginning, it was hard for Mark, especially coming from episode 7, where he barely appeared, which also was a bit hard for him. How do you explain away 30-plus years of backstory without playing around with Star Wars' storytelling convention by adding numerous flashbacks? You definitely think about how to supply that information, admits Bergman. Again, I can't tell you how, but I think when people see the movie, they'll basically understand to a large degree what happened in between. But not everything is going to be answered. It's definitely a challenge, because this movie does have more characters than previous movies, says Bergman. But at the end of the day, you kind of figure out who are the main characters carrying the main story, and you make sure you give arcs to tell the story of other characters. You don't have ten hours in a movie. You only have a limited amount of time. So how you tell the story of all those characters is the tricky part. I think Ryan delivered. What do you think about this interview, Kirsty? Mm. I mean, again, it's not really telling us anything new, because these are all things that we've kind of had, and the fandom has generally expressed concerns about, so I guess it, they, yeah. they are aware of that, and they mm. are speaking to them and trying to reassure, because lots of people have mentioned, hey, this is a huge cast, uh, how are they going to juggle all of these characters and give them the arcs and um, attention that they deserve? So they're just acknowledging that, yeah, that is something that we had to spend time thinking about and make sure that we executed well and respected all the characters and their development. Um, and then like emphasizing that they wanted to take these risks and the Disney executives and Lucasfilm executives were happy with that and were encouraging of it. So yeah. it is kind of all just preparing people again for the fact that, as Luke says in the trailer, it's not going to go the way you think. That, yes, we had The Force Awakens set the stage, but this is all about subverting expectations in a way that still somehow makes sense yeah. and uncovers these layers to the characters um so yeah it all sounds good to me it totally does um i think for me the most interesting question is okay so you had to figure out who the main characters carrying the main story are who did you decide on <laughs> i want to know that um like and i think that's obviously a contentious question according to the marketing like the marketing is making it very clear that those characters are Ray and Kylo. But that obviously isn't all there is to it. And I believe on Twitter, Ryan has said that Finn is also a main character and a protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're for sure. not showing that. So, yeah, like, I would really like to see more emphasis on Finn and his story in the promo. But, like, maybe they're concerned about they can't really convey that easily alongside the rain kylo stuff without kind of muddying the message they're going for but yeah it's hard i don't understand movie marketing yeah i mean we've had a new tv spot this week that we'll talk about that is a little more finn heavy um and maybe we can look forward to see more of those and it is just kind of going to be a bit fragmented because of what they're doing with the story and separating finn and ray yeah um but they have also emphasized that kylo is important to the narrative as well because i do think that he was a little dismissed by people who just kind of thought that he was going to be a villain and Ray already defeated him. So what on earth do you do with that character now? Um, So they are kind of having to address the fact that he is important and um, will be developed in these intriguing ways. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I do not work in movie marketing either. So um, yeah, it's a balancing act for sure. And again, what we're seeing is marketing and what Ram is speaking about is the actual movie. So exactly. who knows how it'll actually end up. Yeah. No, I'm so, so intrigued. But yeah, like you said, there's not much more to say because everyone's basically speaking in code. I'm sure we'll come back to these interviews after the movie is out and we'll have a much better concept of what they're actually talking about specifically. Mm. But yeah, it will be a question of hindsight. Yeah, I do think it's interesting they mentioned the flashback element and he's, you know, he's saying we are going to address those things and you'll see how when you actually watch the movie. I wonder if we're going to get more visions. Mm. Exactly. It's clearly something he had to come up with a particular technique for because they were conscious of having to convey lots of backstory and like what might otherwise be extraneous information. I'm very intrigued. I know there were rumours at one point about an animation company being hired for The Last Jedi, like or at least being on the credits of the IMDb page for the movie. And obviously IMDb is notoriously unreliable, so you can't like take anything on there at face value. But with that kind of thing, where it's an animation company being added, that is such a bizarre eccentric detail that it might well actually be true. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Couldn't that also be related to like things like porks and stuff? I don't know how that stuff works. It was, I think, the company that did the animation for Deathly Hallows. You know, there's those Oh, okay. To the so it else. is more like cartoon kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, not computer animation, but more like stylized 2D animation. Mm. so that sort of thing but yeah like I have no idea how that would fit into a Star Wars movie I was going to say I actually really wasn't a fan of that in Harry Potter mm. it, seemed, it seemed like a strangely shoved in thing so I'd be interested to see how they executed that exactly that is just a huge rumour of a capital R so no one should take me at face value when I say that <laughs> um, right we then have an SFX interview with Mark Hamill and I'd just quickly like to say thank you to special cases on Reddit for having transcribed these interviews because I'm sure it was lots of hard work and we appreciate it um, yeah and this is what Mark had to say as you know from the trailer Luke says it's time for the Jedi to end Hamill points out when I read it I went what <laughs> he was always the most optimistic character who believed with all his heart and soul on what Yoda and Obi-Wan taught him I said what could have happened in that gap that would make him be this cynical hermit who wants to end the Jedi? It was very troubling for me, but I came to realise that Ryan wanted to do something that hadn't been done before. If I was the same person from Jedi without the trauma, I would be just another version of Obi-Wan. And we've already seen that. And since it's not my story anymore, now it's Ray's story, I think you can be more flexible in terms of how the supporting characters, like myself, are handled. You can't help but feel a little ownership, even though I didn't create it, he says. Then you think, these young punks think that they know Luke better than me. But this is the first generation of filmmakers who were fans, who were kids when the movies first came out, and now they're reinterpreting them for a new generation. And at some point you have to realise they have to make the movie they want. They don't have to make the movie I want. In the 34 years since Return of the Jedi, he must have had some ideas about where Luke might have ended up, though. You would assume that after saving the galaxy the way he did, he would become like a venerated member of the High Jedi Order. He laughs. Sort of like a cardinal or a monsignor. My son Nathan is the real Star Wars buff, Hamill adds, and he told me years ago, Dad, there's this great story where they clone an evil Luke from your severed hand. Luke 2.0. <laughs> 
two at two U's Skywalker Timothy Zahn's nineteen ninety three novel The Last Command. <laughs> I said, Oh baby, would I love that? Not only could you play your evil twin, but what a great idea that you bring Luke back and the audience starts noticing him undermining the heroes, cutting their fuel supply inexplicably, maybe even killing one of the supporting characters. <laughs> It'd be so mind boggling. And then, of course, the real Luke shows up and that mystery is solved. But there's too much Luke, and it's not my story anymore. When I suggested it to Ryan, he said he thought that was a cool storyline too. (laughs) But it's been done. Ryan had to find a way to take elements of the movies that everyone expects to be there, the action, the adventure, the special effects, the creatures and humour, so that everyone feels they're having a Styles experience, but also bring something new to the table that's challenging, that hasn't been done before. I think he's done it. This one doesn't feel like any of the others to me, aside from the elements I just spoke about. People say, is it more like Jedi? Is it more like Empire? I don't know. It's sort of like its own thing. I actually really like this interview. I know virtually everything he's saying here has been said in some permutation elsewhere, but I feel like he expands on things and he adds more clarity to why he has made certain comments and stuff, which I appreciate. Yeah, I really like it too, because a lot of the things he's saying... He's kind of speaking as someone from the older generation. Um, and it's kind of echoing what some older fans say and think too. Mm. Like, you know, this idea at some point you have to realize they have to make the movie they want. They don't have to make the movie I want. Yeah. I think some fans maybe struggled with the idea that Luke wouldn't be the main character anymore. Yeah. And that's why they've kind of been pushing the fact that it really is Ray's story. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. I I really appreciate this, and I think Mark has a lot of insightful things to say. It's also he's very funny. Yes. Like when he's talking about the Luke clone, I'm like, yeah, doesn't that sound awful? <laughs> I love the thought of Mark actually taking that to Ryan. <laughs> Ryan saying he thought I mean, it was I, cool. I'm sure it was tongue in cheek. Like he must yeah. have known that wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> God. Plus, and I love that Nathan Hamill is such a fanboy. What an amazing thing to be a this hardcore Star Wars fanboy and your dad has literally Luke Skywalker. That is like legendary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, the most striking thing to me is how he keeps on reiterating not my story anymore. Ray's story. Not me. Not my story. He literally uses the phrase not my story anymore twice in mm-hmm. the same interview and he just really, really wants us to know that. And I think that's so good. It's important to prepare people for that. And I know that's going to be hard to accept for some people. Yeah, so, you know, I, so I was yeah. having din- dinner with someone last night who was talking to me about The Last Jedi and how, well, you know, Star Wars fans now are older, so they have to cater to that older audience. And I was like, or they have to attract new fans. Yeah. And cater to that new audience of younger fans. Because like people like Dave Filoni have said, every generation needs its Star Wars. Totally. So this this trilogy is for the younger fans and older fans like us can enjoy it. Um, but it's a coming-of-age story. So those younger characters who are trying to find their place in the world, it's always going to be primarily about them, and then older characters like Luke and Leia will be there to support their arcs. Exactly. They're important, obviously, but that's just the way it has to be. Exactly. Yeah, no one should be surprised, really, by this sort of declaration. Like, it's just kind of inevitable from a storytelling perspective, I think. Yeah, and it makes business sense as well, you know, like Star Wars is obviously this huge thing, but 
unless you make something new that's going to resonate with new fans who are going to the cinema and maybe seeing Star Wars for the first time, you're going to lose that influence over time. It's not infallible. You have, exactly. to, you have to always court new customers and engage them with emotional stories that will resonate with them on a very personal level. Yeah. So I showed um, the old trilogy and The Force Awakens to someone who'd never seen any Star Wars before. And she said she enjoyed all of them to some extent, but she enjoyed The Force Awakens far more than the original trilogy. But she found it so much more emotional. Mm-hmm. And she felt it was so much more about character. And she felt it made so much more sense on that level. And I think that's true, really. So I love the original trilogy. But I I think in terms of the emotions, they are quite often... They're not... It doesn't really dig deep into them. People get over things very quickly and they just move on and things move at a clip and you don't linger on things and you just keep on going. There's not much psychological depth to it. I think there's real power to it. There's real emotional power to stuff like Vader's redemption and Han and Leia's love story. I love all that stuff and that's a huge part of why I love the original trilogy. But I think in A New Hope especially that emotional element is not as strong as it is in The Force Awakens. And I think... That's at least partly about The Force Awakens just adhering more to modern storytelling conventions where we just expect that. And that's part of the status quo more than anything else because all films have spectacle now. All big budget films have immense special effects with glitzy spaceships and these incredible imagination-defying things. And that isn't enough anymore. You can't just have spectacle. There needs to be this emotional resonance to it. And I think The Force Awakens did that really well. And I think based on what everyone's been saying, The Last Jedi will continue that and also do the emotional thing really well. So I kind of lost my train of thought on where I was going. But, yeah. Oh no, I I think you're right. Um, And I think a lot of what we see in modern sci-fi fantasy films is down to Star Wars having that initial influence because it was mm-hmm. groundbreaking. But because it's mythology that it always has to evolve and kind of be in keeping with whatever's going on at the time in terms of, like you say, storytelling conventions and the politics um, and general attitudes to things, but still somehow manage to be universal. It's really, it's really got to straddle that line. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the, the contrast you see with the force awakens versus the original trilogy shows that. And you can see it with the prequels as well. Like it always has mm. to adhere to whatever is going to resonate with audiences at the time because they also have to be commercially successful films. Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, right. Then we have yet another new Ryan Johnson interview from Japan because Japan just cannot get enough of that prom- promo. And yes, again, this is from Slimo. I feel like all our stories are coming from Slimo, so thank you so much to Slimo. I should just do like a blanket like in debts and gratitude to Slimo at the start of every show at this point. <laughs> Maybe we should um, invite her on the show just to help us out of our new segment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She knows it all more than us. Beach reporter Slimo reporting for duty. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. And then the sorry, I need to recollect my thoughts. I'm looking at the link and I can see various people helped. Um, right. So basically the translation of this quote is like a collaboration between Slimo and the artist behind our beautiful podcast art, Nemling. So thank you, Nemling, too. And this is the translation. Also, he assured that the evil would increase a sense of presence as the key colour for the film is red. 
I want you to pay attention to Kylo Ren, Adam Driver, in particular. It was important not only to strengthen him, but also to make it stand out who he really is. And to describe the fragility and complexity of Kylo Ren, he says, He is not a perfect evil. There is a crack in his armour. I found the one crack and tried to open it. I thought that I could understand him through that work. So, yeah, again, it's just a short quote. It's translated, so doesn't read completely naturally but it's really interesting and it perpetuates the impression that ryan is a huge kylo fanboy Mm. um so he clearly loves that character i think he's used this very similar phrasing before as well with the the crack in his armor i think he said that when he was physically in japan a few months ago like just before the news came out about jj um being back on board for nine so there were all these rumors around the time of ryan potentially doing it yeah and that that's how i associate it with that he was saying this stuff about kylo being vulnerable and having a chink in his armor and having to like pull that apart and really see his vulnerability yeah Yeah. Um, he did say that he said that um there's a crack in his armor and we're going to prize open so that's even the same kind of analogy so again it's probably on like a list of here are things you can say about x character um that they have to refer to um i think the fact that he's saying it was important to make it stand out who he really is that's probably the thing here that struck me as the most significant because it's like okay so who is kylo ren really at his core what is underneath there and obviously ryan is not telling us that in an interview with a japanese website but that's such an intriguing question to me and i cannot wait to find out the answer mm-hmm yeah, and I think the underlying thing here is that they're talking about Kylo's compassion. Because mm. um, it has to be something that relates to Rey, but also to his father and yeah. what he did and in The Force mother. Awakens. Yeah, yeah, and how he experiences that regret now and how it's going to propel his development. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that crack in his armor is going to be his compassion. Mm-hmm. And yet again, I feel like I bring this up every other show, but who cares the quote from the novelization about you have compassion for her and that being a deleted scene from the force awakens more and more everything we're reading i do think compassion is going to be absolutely crucial to kylo in the last jedi and that's why we don't get that scene in the force awakens because it was ryan going like ah no i want that thanks (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine if we're wrong about all of this and it comes out and it's like He's more evil than ever. <laughs> <laughs> and all the marketing has just been designed to like make you look the other way. <laughs> Can oh you imagine God. our reaction podcast? We're going to be like, oh, well, just ignore everything we've been saying for the past year and a half. <laughs> I feel dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> I think people would that... just tune in to hear us eating our words. Yeah, that would be like the most flagrant cruel exercise in gaslighting ever known like do you know what i mean after this marketing like i say this after the marketing so it's one thing to be wrong in our extrapolations which are attempting to figure out the plot of the last jedi purely based on what we saw in the force awakens but now we're basing our impressions on what we're getting from the marketing and yeah like i say if after all this, uh, if after all these comments in the marketing, if after all these trailers, all these posters, etc, etc the bottom line is nope, Kylo's just really evil I think that would be hilarious um, like all of these things, Ryan saying Adam saying about why he decided to sign on 
what the character means to him and it's just all a lie. (laughs) (laughs) He built it a fortress of lies. (laughs) Oh, that would be hilarious. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) No, no, no. Let's not think like that. Our minds can't go there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, have we said everything we want to say about that? I think so. Like, you know, I know people listen to us because this is the stuff that we really love. But again, we're kind of going over like old ground here. Like they've been saying they've been beating these drums for months now. And I do think it's because they've had to be gently steering people in the right direction. And they've done that through the trailer and all of these different promotional materials. Um, But we're really at the point where we we can't say anything too new about this stuff. We're just counting down the days to the movie. So. Thank you for exactly. people who are still interested in hearing our thoughts on this stuff because we're not really breaking any new ground here. We try to make it at least somewhat entertaining <laughs> by, by periodically breaking out into laughter. Yeah. Um, and then the last news story is that there is a new TV spot for The Last Jedi. And yeah, do you want to describe what this consists of, Kirsty? Yeah, it's got more fin. Yeah, It does. I love this spot like it because it's so different from what we've had before which do not get me wrong I've loved all that stuff too but Mm -hmm. this kind of I think it aired originally on Cartoon Network and you can really see that in the way it's kind of spun as this very exciting adventure again and you've got Ray Finn and Poe and I don't think there's any Kylo in it so it kind of is like an emphasis on the the heroes that you love and rooting for them Mm. Um, you even see Ray smiling so yes very different from what we've seen so far yeah Um, no this is a really really like joyful trailer like it's just all about that fun adventure vibe which is really nice and is a real change in tone from what we've been seeing and i think that's largely because um i believe this trailer was aired on cartoon network so obviously it's a trailer designed to get the attention of the younger audience Mm -hmm. and i think that's really nice i'm not saying that the previous trailers are not for younger audiences as well of course they're fine for younger audiences it's not like anything bad happens but they're not really designed for kids as such you know and they're and they're all a bit dark and foreboding and serious but this one is just all about joy and like oh my god this is so amazing and i've seen all these characters yay yeah i I guess it's kind of what we've been saying that these different tv spots are going to focus on different elements of the story and because it's star Mm. wars you are going to have the darker moments, the really emotionally heavy moments, and then you're going to have the fun adventure-filled, like, humour-filled moments. Um, exactly. So, yeah. Like, I, they they kind of have to appeal to all these different elements and give you a sense of the story that's going to appeal for you. And mm-hmm. this stuff does appeal to me just as much as the emotionally fraught and challenging aspects, because you still want to come away from the movie feeling good, you know? Exactly, yeah. It can't all just be pure angst, so... Mm-hmm. It's nice to have joyful moments, and yeah, just stuff like hearing like Finn whoop as he like has like a high <laughs> point, and seeing that little smile from Ray as she's twirling her lightsaber. That's really nice. I think like for Ray as well, I was so happy just to see her have this moment of levity mm-hmm. because I'm so like her time on Act Two does not look remotely fun from what we've seen previously, <laughs> and it's like oh, I'm so happy that it's not all crap for her. It was so, like, when I first saw it, because she looked like she was smiling and enjoying herself, I was like, wait a minute, is this behind-the-scenes footage that (laughs) snuck in here to look official film footage? Uh, Yeah. 
because it looked more like Daisy than Ray to me from based on what we've been seeing, but obviously it can't be. Um, yeah. And yeah, Finn's. I love that we know now that Finn says, "May the force be with you," because you got to have that insert somewhere. And yes, based on where he's saying it and just his tone, I am going to predict that he's saying it to Rose. Mm, I thought that we already have a still of him and Rose talking. They've kind of like they're. It almost looks like they're bickering with each other. She's like kind of up in his face, or as much as she can be with that height difference. Um, and yeah, they've got the same background. He's in the same outfit, and just he says it kind of like a oh maybe may the force be with you. Like I don't know. There's just something in his tone that kind of sounds like he's talking to a peer, or that he's trying mm-hmm. to like get out of a situation. He's being kind of funny and a bit sassy. What yeah, I, I thought he sounded a bit sarky. Yeah. <laughs> Like he was like a bit peeved with her, or like so I'm kind of assuming it's Rose there, but like he sound it sounded like he wasn't too impressed by the encounter he had just had, and like he's like, mm. <laughs> and I, just based on certain things that they've said about like Rose, I think they've said that she's going to be considered kind of a cranky pants by other characters. Yes, and I feel like it has to be Finn who thinks that she's a cranky pants, right? Yeah. Um. So that's kind of give you a bit of insight into how their dynamic's going to be. It's going to be a bit contentious and bickering and they're not going to quite see eye to eye at first. So yeah. that, that seems really fun to me. Yeah, no, totally. I, I like that. And it's something so different from like Finn and Ray because that relationship's almost too smooth. It's like, oh my God, we're best friends. I love you so much. You're my best bud. Whee! And that's lovely. And I love that dynamic, but it's just nice to have something where it's a bit more contentious perhaps. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably going to be quite dramatically interesting yeah i feel like it's going to allow us to see a different side of finn and it's going to be an easy way for us to kind of see where rose is coming from as well so exactly that was just a nice little um tv spot and Mm -hmm. i was like i love these tv spots i hope they keep coming because all they're doing is just giving like nice little scene setting and giving little glimpses and i think that's fine and I think they're smart enough to not let anything really crucial or defining go in these TV spots. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I've been spoiled as such by anything. I haven't seen anything where I thought, oh God, I wish I hadn't seen that. You know? And yeah. So yeah I say bring on a few more. Maybe yeah, I have... I've changed my tune by TV spot for, for ugh, 30. But yeah, we'll, well, yeah. So I have a few friends who've already said I'm not watching any more of these. And mm. I admire their willpower because I couldn't. Um, yes but yeah like they're not spoilery spoilery but if you decide like actually you know what i'm gonna see this movie so i don't need to see any extra stuff like this now that totally makes sense yeah because maybe maybe you want to wait for the movie to find out whether finn says may the force be with you (laughs) yeah no exactly i think everyone has different tolerance thresholds right for them in terms of what they want to see and Mm -hmm. i know for some people that's already been met and that's super cool and yeah i say to those people may the force be with you and enjoy the film when you come back in December <laughs> um, yeah there's just one more thing and that is that we have a question that I'd like to answer um, and it is from Neddy Nerveherder which is a fantastic name um, I assume a screen name but if it's your actual name that is even <laughs> better um, and this is the email hi Kirsty and Rachel I have a question for you guys which is something that's been bothering me for a while now I've seen all this stuff going around that Finn, Ray, and Kylo are the new trio of the sequel trilogy. While I'm all for this, it doesn't seem to line up with the Last Jedi product packaging, which has Finn, Ray, and Poe on it. I understand how if Kylo or Ben was a part of the dynamic trio, it would be an unexpected plot twist, and Lucasfilm would want to keep that under wraps. 
My question is this. Is Poe going to be a central character? I feel like he wasn't in TFA, although so many fans say otherwise. What do you think is in store for him based on all this marketing stuff? Sorry for the long-winded question. You guys are amazing. Oh, that wasn't a long-winded question at all. That was quite short and succinct. <laughs> <laughs> so well done. Um, yeah, and oh, this is so hard to answer. So I think it's kind of a question of like half and half. Mm. I I definitely think Poe is going to have a more substantial role in this movie. And I think he's going to have more of a dramatic arc because Poe doesn't really have an arc in The Force Awakens. He's a really cool, fun character and I like him. But it's not like he starts off in one place and then he ends the film in a different place, having been changed by his experiences. He doesn't have that in The Force Awakens. And I think he will get that kind of character progression in The Last Jedi, just based on the interview comments I've read and like just general remarks that have been made about the characters, like that one we were reading out from Ram Bergman earlier. So... Yeah, I think he's going to become more important, but I don't think he's going to be central. I think it's a mistake to look at that marketing and how Poe is positioned alongside Rain Finn on the toy packaging. I, I don't think that should be taken as any kind of comment on where those characters are positioned in the story. They're there because they're all very marketable characters and people love those characters. So it's natural to use them for promo like that. What do you think, Kirsty? Yeah, I think he's marketed with them because he's also a hero. Um, yeah. But they haven't put Rose with him there because people don't recognize her yet. Um, mm. So I would guess that Rose is going to be more central than Poe, but he's still important. He's still a major character. Um, yeah. And I would just think that Kylo's not paired with Finn and Rey because he's the villain. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. You know, you have if you look at the packaging on things, you'll have usually you'll have Finn, Rey, and Poe in one corner, and then on the opposite end. Of of the packaging you'll have kylo and sometimes you even get two versions of kylo you get him with his mask and one unmasked um so yeah they're all there and i i think now you know we're getting so much other stuff besides the toy stuff which is i guess all that stuff came out like uh, earlier in the year force friday already seems like it was so long ago yes we're getting trailers and tv spots that obviously they show poe and he has dialogue and stuff but it's all very action-based what he's doing um, mm. And it might be that when we get to the movie, we've already heard stuff about him having cool interactions with Leia and the fact that she slaps him at some point is super intriguing. I really want to know the context of that. Yes, yeah, same. And that he's going to be taking more of a leadership role within the Resistance and kind of butting heads with people like Holdo and this sort of stuff that's been hinted at through official sources. So I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I'm interested to see how they, they use him within the story, like all the other characters. Um but he's he's does he's not on he's not one of my favorite characters in terms of why I'm emotionally invested in the story. But mm. I don't have I don't have anything against him as a character, and I know that he has big Poe fans out there who read the comics and love him, and that's great. Um, mm. So yeah, I feel like he's going to be important. Yeah, no, definitely. He, I think he's gonna be more dramatically a focal point in this film but still not a lead because again like Ram mentioned in the interview this is a stacked film in terms of characters there are lots of people mm. to focus on so there has to be some sense of priority and I don't see there being room for Poe to be a main character as such in The Last Jedi but that is not to say he's not important so I think he will be 
I think there's still going to be a, an improvement based on the, the latter half of The Force Awakens. You can kind of tell that he was shoehorned in a bit because originally they planned for him to die. Yeah. And then like he came back and led the way to the victory in terms of taking down Sarkilla Base. But that's not about character development. That's just kind of serving the action side of the yeah. plot. Um, totally. Which is all fine, but it's not the reason why I'm interested in Star Wars. Mm. Um to other people it is so yeah difference makes the world go round so yeah so I I think he's going to play a more compelling part in The Last Jedi because Ryan will have planned to have him in the whole thing from the beginning so he will have exactly he will have justified the choices to himself a bit more yeah no which will automatically be for the best I think um so yeah I think that hopefully answers your question and yeah thank you so much for sending in and for listening to the show um, I think that's probably a good point to end at. So I am Rachel. You can find me on Tumblr at Stars Nonsense and on WordPress at Journal of the Stars. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye. Bye. <laughs>